Hello, everyone, and welcome to the eighth episode of the Skeptics Podcast. Uh, this this podcast is presented by Marco Cecconi and Steve Lundquist. Uh, we are moderators at the Skeptics Stack Exchange site. Good uh, afternoon or morning or whatever time you happen to be listening. Glad to have you on, uh, you know, listening to us for uh, this episode. Yes, on uh, in Stack Exchange we say good time zone. Good time zone. I see. Uh, as not a Stack Exchange employee, but just as a volunteer, uh, I like the little insights into how you guys run things on a multi-time zone uh, yes. system. Yeah, well, things run us mostly, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, topic of the episode is physics. So uh, this is one of my favorite topics, actually. What, what do you think, Steve? Do you like physics? I love physics. I, I like, uh, there's a funny meme that goes around that I really enjoy. It says, everything happens for a reason. And that reason is usually physics. And, uh, you know, it's, when I was younger, I actually wanted to be an astrophysicist because I really enjoyed getting into figuring out kind of the really far down root of why things were the way they were. And then what happened? Uh... I don't know. I got fascinated by aviation. <laughs> <laughs> and the Air Force didn't need physicists. Right. I Yes, I, I was also going to be a physicist. And then I realized that actually uh, physicists don't really make a great living. So it wasn't that much fun. Yes. Anyways, um, first question is this one. Does hot water freeze faster than cold water? So, I mean, it sounds completely impossible, right? Oh, this is a crazy uh, question, and it has been debated and argued ad nauseum on the Internet. And I, I love this one because it does, you know, it's one of those where everything that you think you may know about physics yeah. seems to be defied. Not only that, not only that, it just proves so many different things about skepticism. I really like this. So the answer is yes. In certain settings, cold water freezes uh, slower uh, than hot water. And this is called the Mpemba effect. And um, it's not really clear why it happens. Uh, it's probably related to either evaporation or dissolved gases. Uh, but it's one of those things that shows to us that uh, even though there is a clear theoretical model that we can use here, you know, which is thermodynamics, things may be different in practice in some cases, and things may not be so trivial. And the reason is that all of these are approximations of real systems, and sometimes edge effects or things we consider not very important are actually important. Yes. And, and, you know, this this is another one where even though this effect was, you know, initially proposed as far back as 1969, and people have repeated this experiment with the same results showing that uh, hot water can indeed freeze faster than cold water, it still gets argued. And I just love, you know, how really counterintuitive it is it just says that you know even while 
certain things kind of make sense on an intrinsic level for physics, there are phenomena in effect that you just have to really dig deep into and figure out why it is the way it is. And that's why I love physics. It doesn't care what you think or believe. <laughs> it doesn't it care says, at all. <laughs> yes, it, it says this is the way it works, and it will give you the underlying mechanism, assuming that you can you know, figure out and you have the tools and patience to really dig into why something may appear so counterintuitive. Yes, and uh, it's fantastic that w the second answer that we have is f f by a guy who actually uh, did this uh, at school and did an experiment, and it, it, they actually published all the all the data. So while we don't normally allow this kind of answers, um, this is quite nice because it yeah. shows it shows that you know it's a, it's an actual real effect, and you know that it can be measured. And, and it's really good, you know. Um, what I would contest to that data is that they have uh, no error bars as usual, so you never know how significant the findings are, but interesting. Yeah. Okay, so next question. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay this, is a, this is a silly one. Uh, do cats always land on their feet? So, assuming a fall from a survivable height, will a cat always land on its feet? Has this been studied? Is there real data to back it up? And it's an observation, you know, that cats try to land on their feet all the time. Um, but, so, what's the answer here? Well, uh, I, I like this, again, because there have actually been studies. Uh, yes. I believe, uh, you know, something on this case uh, would be a great contender for the Ig Nobel if it hasn't already won the Ig Nobel. Um, but there are um, studies, and one of them is that it generally a cat will land on its feet unless, you know, there's, you know, if it's not um, healthy or less than seven weeks old, okay, it won't land on its feet. If it's dropped from a height of... Uh, more than, uh, well, it looks like it's, uh, I'm, I'm doing this backwards. So it basically says, no, it won't drop land on its feet unless the cat is healthy and more than seven weeks old. It dropped from a height of more than 1.5 feet or less than 700 feet. Who did that? <laughs> and if the vertical velocity of the cat is less than 60 uh, miles per hour, which happens to be the terminal velocity. So, yes, it will generally land on its feet unless it's not high enough to do its turnaround, it's unhealthy, it's too young, or it's just of going course. too fast. <laughs> of course. And there is a guy who published in the Annals of Improbable Research, you know, drop height, six feet, a hundred over a hundred att attempts landed on their feet, uh, f five feet as well, four feet as well, then one feet, hundred uh, over hundred did not land on feet because it's too close. And that's yeah. <laughs> But yes, so they do. And of course, there's the uh, humorous uh, discussion about the whole fact that buttered toast always lands butter side down um, in there. And they talk about the, you know, the troll physics, as we call it uh, on the Internet, about strapping a piece of butter toast to the back of a cat and making it spin. 
um, which I believe is a question on our site, isn't it? No, I hope not. But Are I think it's always landing butter side down. Oh, maybe, maybe it is. Yeah, I believe there might be. Uh, that, that it it's different from here, but uh, it is you know one of those sort of things. Which is that's actually not even that false, if I remember correctly. Yeah. But yes, in, in most cases, cats will indeed attempt to land on their feet. And of course, some people point out obvious things such as, you know, well, if the cat is unconscious, it probably won't land on its feet either. But I think that's kind of covered in the, the cat is healthy. Yes. I am checking whether we have, we have the butter toast question, but I can't really find it. Yeah. Oh, we should well, ask one. Anyways, more fun. Um, so, it, it, you know, just kind of yeah. shows physics can be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, may not necessarily have to be serious. Absolutely. And actually, many of the physicists I know are really, really fun people. Um, and, and they really like to joke and, and prank all, all the time. So if you think that oh, yeah. physics is a, is, a, is a subject for, you know, stiff necks and so on, not really. Not so. Well, I always, I always say though, you know, the the level of accomplishment of a physicist allows them, uh, you know, if they are a six sigma accomplished physicist, then they are allowed and afforded uh, six sigma variances in their behavior. And, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think we got this like three people, but yes. Uh, so next question: Do atoms exist? Some people apparently doubt that and we were about to close this question but then I went and checked and it turns out there's a bunch of people they don't really believe that atoms exist well, like, yeah, and I can see that again this is you know now we're getting into a realm of physics that is beyond the everyday experience of individuals you know it's kind of you know if you try to correlate quantum physics to everyday experience you just have absolutely no frame of reference and I think to many people, the experimentation that has gone through history in how we determined atoms is is not known to them. So they, they kind of go, well, do they really exist? Are, you know, do, are the things that I'm learning in my high school physics and chemistry class actually apply to the real world? Or is it just some sort of approximation or mathematical representation that really has no bearing on reality i understand but you know we can take pictures yeah and that, i love the answer you know because i i think not up, up until very recently were we able to do that um, relatively recently yeah, i think i think uh electron scanning microscope existed since what the 70s yes brownian, brownian motion she doesn't really show atoms but it's exactly of, yeah, but it's sort of like a good proof. Yes. Oh, it's a it's a great proof in terms, or or even the the Rutherford experiment where he was uh, shooting, um, you know, through the gold foil, and uh, you know, whenever it hit the scattering, uh, yeah, yeah, it would scatter. But I think, I think you know, to most people, they just, you know, it still doesn't, you know, that that's just a a effect of what we think is a mathematical modeling of 
an atom. And so I think they, you know, until I think it was like 2009 where we were starting to get individual atom photos. I know um, there's a great picture here from uh, Rosalind Franklin of the X-ray diffraction pattern uh, of DNA, but that still didn't show an atom. You know, the other pictures here in the specific answer are talking about these super resolution microscopes. Um, sure, you know, those but those okay. until much okay. later. But if you think if you, if you think about how uh, tunnel microscopes work, you know, it's just a needle that moves on the surface and feels the bumps, mm -hmm. right? So. We can see bumps corresponding to the single atoms. So, oh yeah, I, I think I think in this day and age, people should really, really not disbelieve this. <laughs> well, again, we we also have flat earthers, uh, and I'm not entirely convinced that they're all Poe. Uh, uh, who knows? <laughs> but and, and further down in the answer, I do love some of the things that people have done working especially ibm you know they they used individual atoms to spell out uh, ibm or you know draw pictures of star yep. trek yep things like that. indeed and oh. there was a famous talk by richard Feynman, who's a f famous scientist um called uh, there's plenty of space at the bottom um where he suggested that you know we could build much much smaller things uh, before we hit problems uh, with, uh, you know, manipulating uh, subatomic subatomic particles. Yeah. And he started, you know, um, to suggest that we create these molecular or atomic machines uh, where, you know, the individual components are atoms. And, um, and, and so even from the 60s, we were already even considering building stuff from single atoms. Yes, yes. Uh, it, now, you know, one, as a skeptic, I do have to say I'm a little bit disappointed in the fact that, you know, some people would only really accept the answer if it had pictures that showed actual atoms, um, which is the highest voted answer here. Only because, as you earlier mentioned, the, you know, the Brownian motion, the Rutherford experiments, etc., all those different experiments are building up and giving us that preponderance of evidence, which should be sufficient to accept the existence of atoms. But people still seem to default to, no, I need to see a picture. Yeah, um, I, I think people maybe are also missing um, other aspects uh, that are, you know, if you study physics, uh, especially experimental physics, they become very obvious, but... Um, there have been uh, a lot of experiments uh, around the concepts of quanta or you know of single lumps of energy uh, which mm -hmm. are closely related if you like to atoms and uh, it's very very simple for example to create an experiment where you can see that um, electrical energy is quantized in in small lumps and if you start thinking in those terms that you know stuff is actually you know, you, there, there can be single electrons, then why not single atoms? Mm -hmm. um, and to be clear, these these are experiments where, where we could see single electrons. They were built maybe in the 1800s, late 1800s. So we're talking about 100, maybe 150 years ago. Exactly. 
So I think knowing all of this, uh, atoms don't sound so foreign. But I can guess if, if you don't know anything about physics, man, maybe. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, I guess it's really just a matter of uh, providing the information and data and education to go uh, deeper into the subject. Uh, and, you know, a lot of positions are sometimes uh, taken on the basis of basic ignorance. You know, and, and ignorance is not a bad thing. Ignorance can be cured. Um, <laughs> Well, next one is for yeah. assuming the recipient is willing. I, I absolutely. The, the, the problem is the problem is that sometimes there's a reason why people you know don't know many things is they don't like learning, which is fair enough. But yeah, it then becomes really hard. For example, I don't like sports, and <laughs> I, I, I guess what I'm also really bad at them. So <laughs> it's true. Uh, it's not that I don't want to do them. It's just I don't have fun. You know, if I had yeah. fun, then I would be doing them, I guess. But, like Neil deGrasse Tyson says, no matter how good or bad you are at something, you can always improve. So, you could probably become better at a sport if you really put your mind to it. But oh, absolutely. I would never yeah. enjoy it, but I, I would <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> All right. Back to All right. physics. Back to physics. This one's for you. Are personal electronics a risk to commercial aviation? So, are personal electronics of or present or recent past, uh, for example, cell phones and PC players, iPads, a risk to commercial air travel? Um, so, is that true? And I would like to ask you, since you are the airplane expert, um, also, why CD players? Okay. So, the, the overall experimental results do show that no they're not a particular threat to commercial aviation that said there are certain vulnerabilities and just operational parameters that makes it a good idea to turn them off uh, cell phones in particular if you're at a high altitude you're going to be pinging a lot of towers your cell phone is going to be attempting to connect to towers and as you're flying at several miles above the Earth with unobstructed line of sight view to multiple towers, you're going to be kind of flooding the airways as well as draining your battery horribly. Um, and that kind of causes some issues, maybe not necessarily directly for you, but other cell phone using customers. Um, the CD players, that's kind of a holdover from earlier um, types of CD players that would sometimes interfere on a specific frequency that was used for ILS navigation. And an ILS is a specific uh, type of precision approach. When your weather is really, really bad, it will allow you to get much closer to the runway. So the earlier models did indeed have the possibility, um, and most of it was shown through mathematics as opposed to direct experimentation, and the FAA decided, well, you know, if you're in bad weather and shooting a precision approach, let's not take the risk. Um, you know, if, if you're in a giant airplane and you're descending at a rate of 500 feet per minute and you're 200 feet above the ground, that's not the place to have the slightest mistake. Um, and that's what an ILS approach will take you down to. Okay, yes, you don't want to have that. So it, it was more of there is the poss slight possibility, so let's just be safe, because 
you know, someone listening to their album of Pink Floyd, possibly causing 150 people to die would just be a really bad thing to have happen. So um, while no experimental results showed that, they decided, you know what, let's not even take the risk. Um, and then I didn't even look at the answers. This was just me going off uh, personal knowledge, uh, being in the aviation uh, field and expertise, and also the fact that I work for a company now that manufactures avionics and things. So uh, some of the other things in the answer um, here that they talk about is the fact that, yes, most things are very uh, shielded in the aircraft. However, um, they do mention that some cell phones could interfere with the GPS receivers. And um, most of my flying was done uh, previous to the wide proliferation of GPSs. Um, so there weren't that many GPS approaches, and they didn't have what's called a precision GPS approach. Uh, now they do have precision GPS approaches. So again, that could be another issue where better safe than sorry. Yeah, uh, I think nowadays, at least in Europe, they're being allowed uh, on most flights again. Um, I think it's mostly due to the fact that, you know, after being correctly uh, very cautious, now we discovered that it's actually not, not a big problem. Yeah. Um, they do... They do allow them to be on. Uh, of course, they, 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 they still ask you to turn off the, the, the GPS and so on. Uh, sorry, the, the GSM and so on, because that doesn't really make any sense anyways. Uh, mm -hmm. But you can keep them on, at least. The, the thing that I never understood is, okay, if you turn off the radio, then what's the point? What's the problem there? <laughs> you know, well, now we know. Yeah, and again, you know, most of this is done through a lot of mathematical modeling versus experimental results. Right. You know, would, you know in, but you know, to do the experimental results would require probably a bit of money. The average large aircraft costs roughly ten thousand dollars, you know, per I think half hour uh, of flight time, um, not counting anything else associated with it for setting up an experiment. So, you know, it, it's expensive, whereas, you know, yeah, searching numbers on the computer is not. Of course. Um, okay, let's move on to some uh, popular questions uh, in the last week. So first one up is this one about, of course, they're going to be about the elections, right? So, <laughs> it's so, the only thing that seems to be going on in the U.S. Right. So is it illegal for regular U.S. citizens to possess or read the Podesta emails published by WikiLeaks? So WikiLeaks uh, published a bunch of emails that uh, apparently come from uh, a staff member of Hillary Clinton uh, called, uh, how is he called? Mr. Podesta, I don't, I don't know his first name. Anyways, anyways, so some people claim it's illegal to possess them, to, to, to keep a copy of them. Uh, yeah, and it's it's an interesting claim. It was made by a uh, news reporter. Um, so there's, there's sort of some elements of truth in that, in the fact that, you know, there's a case law about it being illegal to publish stolen material, of, you know, specifically 
something that has been stolen, which, you know, the WikiLeaks publications was supposedly, according to the U.S. Uh, intelligence service, stolen by the Russians and then given to WikiLeaks to publish. However, there's also the caveat on anything that is in information material that is of great public concern, which now you can kind of go, well, it is of great public concern, so this is something that can indeed be published or, you know, disseminated. And I think this is, you know, some of the original wording of some of the laws were before, uh, you know, the great proliferation of electronic media. Absolutely. And, you, know, they, you know, they're talking about, you know, the stealing of a manuscript or something that is physically written. Yes. You know, that it's intellectual property that someone is yes. doing it, or making. Whereas now our electronic communication turns almost what could be considered a casual conversation into something that is now recorded is that of the same caliber as what the law originally intended. Absolutely, and it's the same uh, the same problem that there is with copyright law and, uh, for example, music. Uh, you know, um, music companies were in the business of selling plastic uh, or mm -hmm. vinyl uh, until a few years ago, and they yes, he had a particular etching or a particular uh, information on it, but they were selling something physical. When they started to just sell the information then it's when everything fell apart because people can make infinite copies of the, of it and it's perfect. And at the end of the day, all the information is just a number. And you can't yeah. really copyright a number. You can't say a number is secret. It doesn't mean anything. The number exists anyways. Uh, it can't be a secret. And there is no secret there. It's just a number. And also, um, you know, now there could be policies... You know, again, getting into the legality of it, for instance, uh, in the Air Force and many companies, they may have a company policy saying you're not allowed to go to certain websites, you know, kind of like surfing for porn at work. So you shouldn't be going to WikiLeaks, for instance. So in that essence, it can be considered, you know, a policy decision. If you're a government, government employee, well, yeah, you could lose your job for going to WikiLeaks because it's one of those restricted websites. And sure, but that's going to WikiLeaks, right? So yeah. you're accessing a website that you're not allowed to access, so you're doing something wrong uh, in yeah. that sense. Um, or, you know, but you can't... So even... So let's say... let's say um, There was another question. I don't know if we have it here. No, I, th I don't think we have it. Okay, so I can talk about it uh, without burning the next question. But uh, we have another question about whether the fact that Hillary Clinton said that four minutes is the time it takes for the U.S. to uh, launch nuclear weapons is a, is a breach of some secrecy or whatever. I mean, the point is, the number four, so saying it's, like it's four minutes so is not the problem there, right? Anybody can take a guess and say it was, it's four minutes, I can say it's three minutes, and I'm not breaching any law. Mm -hmm. The point is that if it comes from someone that knows how many they are, they are sort of confirming... The validity of some information, you know, is is giving is giving credence that something is correct. That is the problem here. Yeah. And and the problem oh. with these emails is is the same, right? So the point yeah. is, 
you know, it's just words. The problem can't be, you know, owning a document which contains words. The point is whether by doing so you're saying that this is actually a secret that you're disclosing. Mm-hmm. If it's something that which is in the public domain, there can't really be no accusation there. Exactly. By the way, that four minutes uh, thing was uh, beautifully answered, given that uh, there were, you know, there's been speculation as well as kind of very detailed um, information about those four minutes or five minutes, however many it is, by many organizations going back, I think, as far as uh, the 1980s, even. Yeah, and then uh, nobody knows really. I mean, yeah, you know, this is what you know many newspapers claim, and that's fine. Surely, surely the government knows if the number is correct or not, uh, but certainly they are not going out of their way to confirm it or deny it. So, <laughs> no one ever does. Nuclear war is serious business. Um, yes, <laughs> very serious. The most serious, probably. Next questions. Where students are forced to recite Allah is the only God in Tennessee public schools. Oh my God, Muslims and the South of the United States. Oh, what what a combination. Yes. So this report claims that students were forced to recite Allah is the only God. Now parents of public school students in Tennessee are protesting against assignments. Uh, that include writing a declaration that Allah is, the, is supreme and textbooks uh, that recount Islamic doctrines are f- as facts instead of uh, beliefs. I don't really understand this, but okay. Nearly 120,000 Sorry. It says no, that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go for it, Michael. Yes. Uh, no, I just wanted to conclude that, you know, the. There is this users with um, asking whether this is true and you know they whether they really had an assignment where they had to write a declaration that Allah is supreme and so on. Yeah, um, I guess uh, the, the accepted answer here is really more of just a repeat of what Snopes um, states. Yes. Uh, it's one of those cases in which there is a much better answer, according to our community, right down below. Um, yes. And that actually gives a fantastic piece of evidence, which is a photograph of one of such assignments. So, yes, it's true. Um, it, it, well, not quite, because it was in Virginia versus Tennessee, and it wasn't, uh, you know, they, they were doing it as part of a world geography class. Um, you know, I could almost see this being an instance where someone picked some very common Arabic script uh, off the internet or someplace else and saying, hey, kids, write this, not even knowing what it said. Oh, maybe. But even even then, you know, I, my son does religious education here in the UK, you know, and they are required to learn about all the different religions, which includes Islam, you know, and includes uh, Hinduism and so on. And they yeah. they go and, you know, they delve deep into these kind of things. Um, I don't think there is any sort of attempt at indoctrination here. Yeah. More making, making people know their other cultures. 
which unfortunately in the United States is viewed as, you know, oh my gosh, they're, you know, indoctrinating them into it because they only need to learn about the one that I approve of because that's the only one that is relevant to them. <laughs> Whereas, you know, to have a good worldview, you really need to kind of broaden your horizons. And I think a lot of that comes from the U.S. desire to protect um, their favored status of one specific religion versus any other. Um, and, and, you know, even if you ask the average U.S. Christian if, you know, where what the origins of Islam are, and if Allah is the same as Elohim and Jehovah and all that stuff, they wouldn't know that. They, they they think of it as a totally different, you know, almost as if it were Greek mythology or Norse mythology or Hinduism. They, yep. they don't even see the common roots of their religion yep. it's and a, it's the a, one that they're afraid of. It's a very it's a single religion, you know. They they, yeah. they they share the same books, um, yeah. or at least at least one of the books. So, <laughs> but yeah, it, I mean, it, it it is interesting. And actually, looking now at that uh, assignment that uh, Dave uh, PhD has in there, I can see that no, they do know that this is indeed a uh, the uh, Shada. Yep. Uh, in there. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a classic example that you know kids are gonna see every time they see any any muslim heart muslim heart yeah. so i mean it would it would be the same as if uh, you know saudi arabian kids were practicing english and they wrote down you know the the tune of god bless america or something yep you know it's, it's an example of something that is culturally significant to the speakers of that language and is commonly found Yes. Or I'd say the Queen to study, you know, British English. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. Again, no attempt at indoctrination. Uh, It's an attempt at basically exposing people to a wider world. Yep. Oh, the shame and horror and humanity of it. Yeah. Speaking (laughs) of Muslims and and, uh, the wider world, uh, there is this other question that says uh, Are jihadists returning to Orebro, Sweden? Uh, given uh, psychological help. So is it true that um, when there are jihadists coming back from ISIS uh, to Sweden, um, are they given given psychological support? Which honestly would not surprise me, given that maybe they need it. (laughs) Yeah, so... um Sweden is a very, uh, you know, open country. Uh, it's a much more liberal society, and they do very much believe in that social support safety net for their citizens. And they try to expand that to, you know, everyone who ends up coming to Sweden. It, it, it's kind of the Swedish way. Um, I'm not familiar with this uh, website, Specia, uh, or whatever it is where the claim is from, um, if it has any particular ideology behind it or something like that. But um, the uh, uh, Svenska Dagbladet, which is the Swedish daily uh, paper, basically, 
does report that, yes, there is some discussion that they want to see about doing that. And overall, I think that's probably a good idea. Many of the reasons that people are turning to ISIS and such is a you know, dissatisfaction with their current lot in life, and they want to have a sense of belonging. And, you know, being product, a productive member of society can provide that sense of belonging, or being a radical, you know, freedom fighter is another way of a sense of belonging. And, uh, you know, I can't make any comments as to the effectiveness of this or anything like that, because A, I think it's too soon to tell, and uh, B, uh, you know, there's so much emotional baggage behind it that I don't think anyone's going to have a good opportunity to make a study of it until much later in time. Yes. Um, I also see that the original claim is that they actually are uh, rewarded for coming back with psychological help. So it doesn't, uh, yes. Uh, so it's slightly uh, right-wing uh, nationalist, uh, I would say. Yeah. Anyways, great, uh, great users this week. Uh, we want to give shout-outs to Dave PhD, who has answered a number of these questions that we just mentioned. Uh, Avery, Lisa B, and Tom Hartman. And we yeah. will, and I'm not going to go through all of, all of these. Most of these users we already talked about in past weeks, but very well done to all of you. And we want to welcome a new user, Meji Otis. Um, well, actually, let's uh, go back a little bit here. So Lisa B is actually um, a relatively uh, new user, I think. I, uh, yes, she's gave she's gave only one question. One one question. Question. So great question. Yep. Um, I, I really enjoyed. Uh, you know, again, it was the one about the uh, reading the Podesta papers. You know. A great in terms of the skeptical question, you know, if there was a specific claim made, and uh, I'm going to assume that Lisa B is is uh, female. She her icon is one of the XKCD female characters as well. So yes, but you never know on the internet, right? Of course. Yes. But so well welcome done. to uh, skeptics as well. Yes, and welcome to Meji Otis. Uh, she comes from English language learners, I guess, which is a biggest reputation site. She still hasn't asked a question or answered, but she's very welcome to, to stay and participate in the site. Absolutely. So, um, in conclusion, we would like to invite more users to participate in the podcast. Um, right now we are reading questions and chatting about them, but it would be great to uh, talk a bit about the site, uh, the site altogether. So, if you want to, if you want to participate, uh, let us know. Uh, there are many ways to contact us. I'm sure you'll find one. We're also always open to feedback, and so again, don't hesitate to contact us about that. And lastly, uh, we've opened up a question on our meta site where people can vote on the topics for the next uh, podcasts. So if you, if you want to uh, suggest a, a new topic to, for us to cover, go there and write an answer and check whether is there, there is anything else that you, in the list of answers that you like and upvote it. And also another thing, uh, 
stay tuned for our uh, December holiday uh, time frame episode. Uh, we're going to see about maybe uh, goofing around a little bit with the format and see if that is uh, of uh, interest to you. Um, but if you again have any uh, feedback or suggestions, uh, we you know we don't take offense if you tell us uh, that you find you would find something more interesting. We'll talk about it. Okay. Uh, th- you're correct. Um, so thank you very much, everyone, for listening. And uh, I guess we'll catch you in the next couple of weeks. Take care. Bye-bye. Skeptical questions. To be skeptical of those in authority. 